Mission Chats with John Crow. Welcome back to part two of my chat with Brett and Christy Zimmerman based in Alaska. I hope you'll enjoy the remainder of our chat together as you hear some amazing God stories and also hear a little bit of their wisdom for anyone who's considering missions. Well, as you mentioned, you've uh, been serving up there in Alaska, I think over 20 years now, if I did my math right. And of course, yeah. in that time, you've had a, a breadth of experiences as far as locations you've been based and uh, I'm sure communities and people you've served and worked with alongside. So I just wanted to ask, you know, as you think back over those uh, many years, are there one or two great stories that you'd like to share with us? Yeah. One of the early things that happened in our career was... There was a day that I was at a local store and an older woman came up to me and spit on me. Hmm. And she said, you take your kids and you take your God and you get back on that airplane and you go back to wherever you came from Hmm. because we don't want what you have here. Hmm. And that was a bit of a wake up call for me. I mean, you think about it, we've spent years studying and learning and praying and preparing Mm -hmm. to share the good news of Jesus in remote places throughout Alaska. And it wasn't too long before I realized this person was saying, I do not want Mm -hmm. what you have prepared your whole life to give. Mm -hmm. So we really wrestled with that. And our response was, how can we love this woman and how can we love her family? How can we show God's love indeed? And everyone's watching us in small communities, small village life. Right. And so we did things like pick berries for her, which is a something that's highly valued. And we helped with physical needs and we built relationships with family members and we were there during very difficult family situations and sicknesses and just came alongside however we could time after time. And honestly, never really saw the thawing (laughs) that we hoped would happen. And there was one special moment where we were at what's called a feed and a feed is a way in that community where they would a memorial where they would remember somebody who had died Mm -hmm. and they'd have a big dinner in in their home and everyone would kind of cram into this home and the matriarch or person in charge would pick people to come sit around the table in in sittings right so you fill all the all the chairs in the table and they would eat and then the next group of next group but you would wait until you were chosen Mm -hmm. and brett and i we'd been to many feeds and participated in many times of mourning those who are lost. And we always waited pretty much to the end before we were invited to eat. Mm. And that day, we were in that woman's home. And she stood up from the head of the table, and she pointed to me. And she had me take her seat in front of everyone for the first sitting. And what she was telling the community was, this outsider has loved and cared for my family to such an extent that she is now a part of my family. And we were folded into that group and well-loved by them. And we love them deeply. 
And many of her grandchildren are now followers of Jesus Christ mm. and even, and some of her children too. And, and it was just a path of learning culture and loving through hardship. Mm-hmm. And we just saw that kind of scenario play over and over in our lives of being tenacious staying when it would have been so much easier to leave Mm -hmm. and being willing to be in circumstances that were so confusing for us and cultural things that we did not understand, but we were willing to learn and to love in the midst of that. Mm -hmm. And God did his work through our stubborn tenacity. Like that's really all we had to give. And God did the rest. He did his work and he brought people to himself. And just so cool to see that happen over and over again through our years in Alaska. That's fantastic. Great story of persevering <laughs> through what sounds like a very challenging introduction, if you will. Clearly, they are able to see the love of Christ through your actions and sticking with it, as it were. That's beautiful. Brett, do you have anything, uh, any stories that come to mind that you'd like to share? Yeah, about just over a year ago that there's a group of us flew out to a, another village about 40, 45 minutes from here loaded up, went down, did some work projects for for some of the elders and some of the people that needed help, like putting railings on their stairs to help them get up and down. We put a porch on a single mom's house so that because the porch that was on her house was just rotting and falling through and she had no other way of you know getting in and out of the house. So we were able to put a, a deck on and you know, in the evenings, the community would play basketball. And so we'd go and uh, play basketball with them. And one of the pictures that came from that, me and one other guy, this like two of the least likely to have kids on their shoulders. Well, we had kids on our shoulders and we're running around and, yeah, right. and just, just spending time. Yeah. Community. And as we were flying back the next day, this was a year ago in March. The weather was coming in and there's low clouds and it was snowing that day. And as we were flying back, the weather started kind of closing in a little bit. And uh, it's trying to get into a village that's only about 40 miles uh, from here and where we could land and wait out the weather or even spend the night if we had to. But as we got closer to the village, it just started closing in much more than I was comfortable with. So it was going to make a 180 turn back to another village that was clear and open at that time. And as I made the turn away from the village and away from the mountains over a, over a lake that was frozen, turned right into a squall. Hmm. And it was just instant white out. And we wound up going down hard on the lake. Hmm. I made the turn and a few seconds more. And then I don't remember anything else until waking up and somebody pulled me out of the airplane, waking up and I'm under the wing looking at this tire. Mm -hmm. And we had gone down hard. And if you see the pictures of the airplane, there wasn't a straight piece of metal on it. And all of us had back injuries and various other things. And so uh, the emergency locator went off and they uh, picked that up and they were able to find us. One of the air taxis from that village we were trying to get into 
heard the beacon and they actually flew out and located us and were circling over it. Somebody from Port Allsworth actually got into his little super cub and I don't know how he made it through the weather, but he was able to find us and then land on the lake next to us. And people from the the village, you know, got on their snow machines. And I didn't learn this until about a couple of weeks ago that some of them were actually skipping over open water <laughs> to get to it. Wow. I mean, it, it's the thing with a snow machine. If you go fast enough, it'll skip across open water. Uh, but weather had closed in again. And so the uh, rescue helicopters couldn't get through. Okay. So the uh, Alaska State Trooper that was coordinating the rescue and talking to everybody, and there is a time limit where daylight would have been a factor and they could no longer get the helicopters in. Mm-hmm. And there, there was a hard time limit, like six o'clock or something. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, six o'clock, if it hits six o'clock, we're going to have to pull them off the ice by snow machine, you know, about five miles over could be rough terrain. Everybody had back injuries. You know, that that's not our best option. About 15 minutes, quarter to six, the weather just parted and they described it as kind of like the Red Sea parting. And so the helicopters could get in uh, through the mountains to get to us. Okay. And they were able to pull us off the ice, and th- there are stories with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, made it to the village, and then the the medevacs met us there and got us to Anchorage, and you know, we all got into the ER. But the God thing there was it was me piloting the two hundred six and four other passengers. Okay. Uh, you know, we all sustained pretty severe injuries. But when you look at the picture of the airplane, like I said, there's not a straight piece of metal on that thing, but the the fuselage held together and absorbed most of the impact so that nobody died. And wow. you know, it's kind of like, yeah, we got hurt, but you could kind of see God's hand holding that thing together. Yeah. You know, the impact of nobody being killed in that mm-hmm. is just amazing. But even more amazing to me is that over the next few days, Every one of them, my four passengers called and they, they said, we don't hold this against you. You know, you're, you're forgiven. Just being forgiven for something so, uh, it's it, it's huge, mm-hmm. unconditionally. Yep. You know, it's not like they had to go through this, you know, anger and denial and all that before they got to forgiveness. It's right. like, this really is Christ forgave us. Yep. They forgave me and could only come from a God who is so ready to forgive us mm-hmm. and in kind of in a weird twist for me on the side of receiving forgiveness, it's harder to receive right. of that magnitude than it is to give it. But it's a, I don't know. Yeah. Words kind of fail in place. Sure. So this yeah. is just a beautiful thing yeah. to be forgiven, but still struggle with receiving forgiveness right that's a a beautiful picture of what we've received from god as well and i think sometimes you know we struggle with that too trying to a understand it and b yeah really Mm -hmm. accept it i guess almost yeah it's amazing and how are you doing a year later health-wise i mean has it been ongoing challenge Uh, healed up well or what's that look like for you largely healed up well you know besides back injuries broke both ankles and it's the ankles that are still giving me the most problems it's kind of 
being on my feet doing maintenance stuff. You know, some days it'll be good. And it's like, oh man, I'm going to feel it tomorrow. And yeah, sure enough, tomorrow's <laughs> a rough day. But yeah. uh, for the most part, healing up fine. I didn't have a problem getting back into an airplane because that's the only way we can get in and out of here. I haven't touched the controls of one yet. Okay. So, you know, that that's still something to be, yeah, I don't know. I'll jump off that particular bridge when it gets here. So um, yep. the others, everybody's healing well and you know, still various uh, struggles with injuries and there's still things to go. Yeah, it's been there throughout. For sure. Some of the family members started from the very beginning. They started recording every time they had what they called God sightings. And every time they heard someone tell a piece of the story about either what happened out on that ice or what happened with family members waiting. And they just started writing it down. And it's pages and pages of moments where you just see God's hand, just like God's hand around the fuselage of that plane. I mean, the tail is ripped off. The engine is missing. The propeller is missing in a different place there was and there was fuel leaking on the guys in the plane and there was nothing to create a spark for that fuel and the backside door came off the airplane somewhere in the crash and the man sitting in the seat beside that you know just happens to be a army ranger guy and you know had his knife available cut himself out of the seatbelt and was able to use that opening to get most of the other passengers out and then get bread out of the pilot door and God just provided an exit. And while he was with his own broken neck and back and arm, which he didn't realize at the time and messed up ankle, like God just gave him the ability to pull human bodies out of that plane. And every time he'd pray and ask God, okay, I need, I need sleeping bags or wool blankets or whatever the tail had ripped off. And so there was survival equipment right on the ground. Like every time he prayed for something, he'd look down and it was there. The, the blankets he needed to wrap them in. He had head injuries that he was treating for most of these guys. And he pray like, God, I need some hats to pull over their heads and hold the head injury together. Mm-hmm. And he'd look down and there'd be like three knit caps waiting for him to pull over the people's heads and mm-hmm. engine blankets to put below them on the ice. And I mean, over and over it went about how God continuously made a way and provided and got them off the ice, not by snow machine, but by rescue helicopter and got them to the hospitals. And those who are in aviation and understand physics, when they look at the pictures of the wreck and of what happened and look at all the flight details, there's no one who says that it's possible. That plane and those people shouldn't have survived. The physics just don't work out on it. And yet God made this way. And it's been really cool to watch this group of five who were in the plane for with Brett and just see how God's uses to develop their theology of suffering and of pain and to hear every single one of them, not only extend forgiveness to Brett as the pilot, but say it was worth it Hmm. that God is worthy. And that trip down to that village and the work that's happening that they would get back in the plane and they would have done it again the next week had they been physically able to do so. And just such a testimony of what is really important here. And it's just really grown our faith and grown the faith of the people that we're working with and that we minister with our teammates here. And last night, sitting in our living room was a young woman who was on the airplane. And she's one of the 
campers and students from the program here where we live. And somebody asked for prayer, for a prayer request. And her words were, I no longer am willing to pray for safety. I will only pray for God's will. Well, that's challenging. Yeah. And to have that perspective as a 20-year-old, is it's just been a very special journey for all of us. Yeah. Ooh, nothing you would choose for yourself, I, I wouldn't imagine. And yet at the same time, being able to see God using that for his purposes, for his glory, that's just incredible. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing these glimpses of God at work through the years in your ministry. And always a huge encouragement for me to hear people's stories. Now, something I've been asking guests as well is just how would you define missions? That would be, you know, based on your experience of mission, if you could sum it up, how would you do that? I'm pointing to Christy now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted the next question. <laughs> I was going to have him do this one and I wanted the next one. <laughs> Stubbornness, you know, it does sound negative, but a lot of these fields are hard, hard planting, hard ground little harvest over years, but just having the stubbornness to stick it out, you know, like, like Christy was saying, is being able to stick it out and uh, love these people who serve them and being able to stick it out long enough to begin to see that harvest begin to come in. Right. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And that's definitely evident as you shared your story. Yeah. So thank you. That's great. The last question I have for you would be what advice that you would give to others who are considering mission service, maybe just starting out or maybe later in life, wondering if, you know, as a second career down the road, they could be involved in missions. What would you tell somebody? I love working with people who are trying to figure out if missions and cross-cultural work are for them. Um, I think it's so good to know how God has made you. What are the gifts that he's given you? How has he wired you? What are the experiences that you have? And to always strategically be thinking, how can I use those things? How can I steward those gifts for the kingdom of God? And many times there's a lot of places in the world that need those gifts and don't have access to them or the same kind of access that we have in the U S. And so I love to meet and find people who are motivated by reaching those who are unreached and using how God has wired them to enlarge the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And I think in missions that there is a place for a lot of different types of people and a lot of different approaches. I mean, you look at Brett and I and Brett loves behind the scenes ministries and keeping everything together. And he is this faithful worker and the work wouldn't go on without him. And I love to be with people and I love to train people and find out how they're made. And I love to mobilize them into what God's calling them in. And God is using us both in this place. And we've seen that over our years of ministry God using so many different people in that have different temperaments and different giftings. And the commonality is this strategic desire, which I believe only comes from the Lord, to use what he's given in remote places. And it doesn't even have to be 
physically remote, like where we live, but to use it in, in a different culture, in an uncomfortable place, in a place that they don't know, this willingness to be a pioneer and to do that. It's one of the things I love about missions and about talking with people. Uh, and it comes through clearly as you share. So <laughs> thank you so much. That's great. And I guess uh, you were sharing before we started chatting just uh, in your own family, uh, you have one of your daughters, I think it was, preparing with her husband to come back and serve. So obviously you've uh, mobilized in your own family as well, which is so encouraging to hear. Yeah, it's one of the joys of our lives. We have a tribe of young adults in and out of our home right now. And it is such a joy to disciple them and to mentor them and to just see what does God have for them and to mobilize them into that. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Very good. Well, any uh, final thoughts, anything else that you think would be helpful for our listeners uh, that you'd like to share? Yeah, if you're looking for something to do in the summer, you come up and help at Tenalian Bible Camp. Uh, oh. Mosquitoes aren't that bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very good. Yep. No, that's a good challenge. And as always, in the uh, the notes with the podcast, I'll have uh, links that you can uh, check out the ministry, uh, check out Send International and uh, Tenalian Bible Camp as well. Well, as we wrap this one up, I uh, just want to say thank you both for your time. Uh, just lovely to to reconnect and to hear some of the stories of what you've been experiencing and how God's been at work there. And yeah, just thank you for so many faithful years of service in what many would consider a very difficult field, as it were. And yet just love hearing of your perseverance and, and stubbornness, as you put it, Brett, just <laughs> pressing on uh, despite whatever you might be facing. And yeah, it's just incredible. So. Pressing on is probably a better way to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd love to pray for you guys as we close out this uh, mission chat. Um, so let me do that. Father, I thank you so much for Brett and Christy. I thank you for, yeah, just these many, many years that they've put into serving in Alaska. Lord, we just thank you for the journey they've been on. We thank you for the ways as they look back that they can clearly see you at work in them and through them. And uh, yeah, just within this last year, Lord, just uh, your amazing grace, your protection, your purposes working out of a situation that yeah, on the surface would seem something we'd never choose or want to go through. And yet at the same time, you've been using this uh, to show your grace, to show forgiveness, to show healing, to show protection. Uh, just such a wonderful testimony, I'm sure, in the community there and wider as well. I even just think as we got their newsletter and heard about this and then have followed that and just seen the way you've brought recovery and healing. And Lord, we're just so grateful uh, for your grace in our lives in so many ways. So I pray your ongoing blessing over Brett and Christy and over their kids, Lord, as uh, as they, yeah, look to serve us and different things in the future in their lives, Lord, would you just lead and continue to guide them? Thank you, Father, for this time we've had together. I pray this will be a blessing to those who are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Yeah, thanks for the invitation, John. For sure. Thank you guys for taking me up on it. As always, thank you for listening to this episode of Mission Chats. And I'd love to ask you if you can think of some like-minded friends who might be interested in this podcast. Would you take a minute? Just send them the link, missionchats.com, and let them know about this. That would just be a huge help. Find us online at missionchats.com.